and welcome back to the Go For Two podcast and welcome into uh, the NFL playoffs. I'm Liam, your host, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Patrick. Patrick, mate, how are you doing after um, a very busy Black Monday, as they call it, a busy week of news and then some uh, some fun games this weekend to, to talk about and to watch as well? Well, do you know what's funny is, like, uh, I think I've said before, oh, I mean, me and you have both said it before, you know, you don't want no one to lose a job, do you? <laughs> you know, it's the livelihood and whatnot. But I was sat there on Monday night thinking, some Black Monday, this is not a lot's happening. And then 48 hours later, the whole world of the NFL or football, the sport of football had just been turned upside down. It's been absolutely crazy week and it feels like the wildcard games are just a little bonus at the weekend. <laughs> to be honest, I'd be quite happy just to talk about Bill Belichick and Nick Saban all weekend. But actually, we've got some, we've got six playoff games. Yeah, we have, we have, and we've got some good ones as well. We are right to start. Well, it started quite fast Sunday night after the games, and then you're right. Monday was a bit slower, and then yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday went absolutely mental, which we'll uh, we'll talk about. There's only six games to pick, obviously against the spread. Um, reminder: scores on the doors. I have 143 points. Patrick has 142. So there's only one oh. point in it. Um, but we are going to start with the coaching news and then we're going to move on to the games after that. So we can end with some football. Soon as in, in about six weeks, we'll all be gutted and uh, waiting for football to to be back. So we'll uh, we'll do the games second and we'll, we'll do coaches first. Uh, we'll obviously start with the big man. Uh, and also, like you just said, finally some news before we hit record, which is, of course, New England. But before we talk about who's got the job, let's talk about the man who's left the job. Uh, Bill Belichick, hell of a press conference, by the way. Uh, hell of a career. Um, mo- yeah, I don't know if he's the most successful because he hasn't got the win record. But in my era of football, most successful head coach, obviously, some Super Bowls, uh, widely known as the best. Andy Reid said yesterday, best he's ever gone against. Carl Shanahan said, best he's ever gone against. Um, so yeah, legend of the sport, mate. Leaves New England. Seems like it was. Uh, a mutual parting. Don't know if he actually was fired or not, but yeah, hell of a career and uh, going to be weird to see him, in my opinion, with another team's colours on next year or the year after, because I don't think he's retiring anytime soon listening to his press conference. No, I think that's going to be the most surreal thing. We all saw this, you, you know, you kind of saw it coming. We spoke about it. We expected it, didn't we? But uh, when you see it happen, it's it's pretty surreal, but it's going to be crazy to see him in another team's gear isn't it next season like i don't know like fal- can you imagine it with a falcons cap on it just doesn't <laughs> seem right does it, it it's going to be yeah. absolutely wild i mean i mean eventually got kind of used to brady in a books uniform because he looked like the opposite of a million dollars when he first put that buccaneers jersey on <laughs> that was terrible on you but you know we grew into it and helped to help that he won a super bowl but um yeah, crazy. He's definitely um really, really interesting guy as well. I mean, I loved his um, press conference. It was actually typical Belichick. I was like, yeah, I'm finished. See you later. But uh, I've been watching loads of videos, actually, of just funny things he's done over the year. And I tweeted one out that was when he was 33 up against the Jets and he was trying to get a delay of game penalty. And if you've not seen it, go on my timeline and watch it because I was absolutely in tears because he, Bill himself was laughing by the end and you never get a laugh out of Belichick, do you? So it was just... <laughs> I'm glad he's not leaving football, but he, he leaves behind uh, an amazing legacy, doesn't he, with the Patriots and just, yeah, just a complete fresh start for them now. Now both Brady and Belichick have gone, they can kind of stop treading water and try and build a future with the franchise. It might take a few years, but they'll be on the road. Yeah, it is going to be strange. And yeah, like I said, it's a bit of a fresh start for them as a franchise. Um, still crazy to see it happen. Uh, fair play to Robert Kraft for actually potentially pulling the trigger on this, but you'll never know if it was more Bill kind of wanting to leave. I'm sure there'll be some sort of um, leak or report about it or a book or something in the future. But um, yeah, it's going to be crazy. Uh, the Apple TV series about their run as well, that's based on that book that um, that guy wrote after the, the last Super Bowl win, is coming out soon as well, isn't it? So that would be interesting. It is to watch. perfect. Yeah. I think it comes out the, the week after the Super Bowl because that book is absolutely incredible. So the, the expectations for this will be sky high, and I'm sure it'll be good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So yeah, that'll be an interesting um, 
an interesting watch. Um, but yeah, crazy to see Bill leave. We'll see where he ends up. Um, worth probably mentioning that it does seem like Adam Schefter is uh, heavily indicating that one or two teams could uh, fire their head coach or, or three, sorry, that are currently still in the playoffs. Um, I think for me, it's quite clearly the Eagles, the Cowboys, and probably the Buccaneers that he's talking about. Um, and for me, Bill Belichick seems like a Cowboys coach to me. <laughs> I don't know if you don't even start that. them games, mate. <laughs> that would be absolutely mental if it was going against Bill in the division. That would be uh, crazy. That's that's my guess. That's the the job they seem to be linking him to is one that isn't available yet, and I don't think that'll be the Eagles personally, and I don't think it'll be the Bucks, but it could be. But um, yeah, for me, it does sound like it's. Uh, more Cowboys, but we'll see. Falcons seem interested. Um, doesn't seem like there's much talk about Chargers or Panthers or Raiders. Um, Washington have kind of leaked against it that they're going like more of a younger coach, but um, yeah, we'll see. Replacing that man, as we found out just before the podcast, we press recorded the podcast, is Jared Mayer, linebacker coach, assistant head coach. Gave him a new contract last year to kind of keep him around. Sounds like there was some promises. He's always been mentioned as the name. Uh, got confirmed before, mate. He's now the youngest head coach, I believe, in the NFL. Uh, defensive guy, obviously very young, very smart. Um, seems like a bit of a leader, very much a variable Bill Belichick-esque type. Uh, don't know enough about him from an analytical point of view, from an offensive point of view, from a quarterback point of view. So I don't really know where it's going to go. But uh, they've gone in-house, not doing any interviews and stuff, um, which I think is not a surprise because of all the rumours we've heard about Joe Mayo, but I personally don't think it's actually the best process. Um, so I'll be interested to see if this now is a rebuild and it goes well, or if this actually gets worse after a bad year, because it is risky to um, not have any hiring process and just go straight for your linebackers coach. Well, everything you kind of know about football and like a lot of times the draft process, like the, they, interview quarterbacks or or any player and you know you're not going to pick them but you interview these people because you want to know about them maybe down the line the franchise will come into contact with you with separate teams feels crazy to me that they've not just had 10 10 people come in and learn about 10 people that your paths may cross in the future do you know what i mean it just yeah you've identified your guy i i understand that but it, it's very unusual, isn't it, in the NFL to see that. I mean, good luck to the guy. I mean, obviously, they identified him as one of their own, I guess, when he was a Patriots first-round pick as well. You don't see many actual draft picks from the team don't want to become a head coach. I have absolutely no idea how many have actually done that, but not many. No. Seems, seems a crazy move. I don't mean getting Mayo in as the youngest head coach is crazy, just... The non-interviews, do you know what I mean? Not even, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll come on to Vrabel, but uh, not even a sniff for Mike Vrabel is uh, very interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting element of it. And yeah, and I agree. I think it could be great. Obviously, he's been mentioned in this role for a long time. Um, Bill Belichick loves him, obviously. Um, so yeah, for me, I think I'm with you. It does kind of make sense, and I'm not saying it's about higher, but yeah, I think it's more of a, potentially a bad process. But who knows? This guy's been uh, touted as the next head coach for a long time. Um, cool. So that's one of the eight roles, uh, the only one that's actually been filled as well. Um, but there is a role that isn't NFL related that I'm not really going to say much about as uh, not bid into college football as you, but it is linked to Big Bill. Uh, it's basically his best friend, from what I understand of all time. Nick Saban, the Alabama coach, obviously losing the first round of the well, semi-final of the college playoffs. Um Hell of a coach, hell of a, hell of a career, won loads of titles, um, obviously was in the NFL at the time. So, yeah, what's your thoughts on uh, Nick Saban leaving Alabama at the same time Big Bill leaves New England? My, my big thought was this happened uh, about 10 minutes before I went to bed or I planned on going to bed because I wanted an early night. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't sleep for hours. <laughs> I was just like, no way. <laughs> but... Um, there had to be not rumours, just a few people with kind of knowledge of the situation knew he absolutely loved recruiting and he absolutely hated the transfer portal. 
So it's just recruiting someone for three years and then them leaving after a fre- their freshman year has probably really triggered the way that he can see. You know, it's just the direction of college football. It's going to take a substantial amount of years for it actually to become kind of normal and with all the realignment stuff it feels like a good time also he just dragged a terrible Alabama team by the way to the college football playoffs they, they should never really have been in there they were not a good team at all I mean it says probably a lot about Georgia that they beat them in the uh, SEC championship game two two not great teams this year but um, amazing coach overall somebody that I actually like really really like look up to in terms of like reading books and kind of watch documentaries on him and that and you know I do love Alabama even though I'm not really like a fan or anything like that so it's yeah I was I was shocked to be honest it's really sad he's going to get a job I think on ESPN or something and and he's going to be a lot of fun to watch on there he when he when he decides to become outspoken he is absolutely excellent at it so I don't think he's going to coach anywhere else. I'd be shocked if he did, actually. I think he's just going to spend time with his wife and just dip into ESPN, I think, a little Mm. bit, because they have got the kind of SEC contract coming forward, which will be interesting. But, uh, yeah, yeah, big loss for the sport as well, by the way, of sport of college football. Kind of, uh, yeah, it's going to need to be a good hire in there, I think. Yeah, definitely. Well, he's best friends with Bill as well, isn't he? They've got a strong relationship. They used to coach in Cleveland together. So, yeah, uh, crazy that it was, um, yeah, same, basically the same timing. <laughs> um, but yeah, right. Yeah, he's done it for a while. He's been on the Pat McAfee show, isn't he? He's a guest weekly for a long time as well. So he's already kind of dipping his toes in the in the water of the media. Uh, obviously, him and Bill have done a show together before, haven't they, as well? So we'll see. I did see a, a tweet straight away, like, we need a Nick Saban, Bill Belichick podcast from ESPN. Uh, oh, wow, I'd pay for that, mate. <laughs> yeah, there'll be a lot of football knowledge there. Uh, before we go on to the other jobs, I know it's slightly off tangent, but uh, obviously Michigan wins college football. Got a really good couple of tackles in that team. Good wide receivers, not as good as Washington, but good wide receivers, good defensive tackles. Any thoughts on them uh, Them winning it after that big gap? Because obviously they've won loads of games in college football over the years, but not playoff games in a long time, and now they're, they're champions. So I thought it was a good moment for you just to... Give some thoughts on them whilst we're chatting Saban. Yeah, I mean, first outright championship for them since like 1948, I think it was, because they won in 97, but they were they shared it with Nebraska back in the old school days of college football where it was just like the voting. So, But they were by far the best team in college football. And I think um, Harbour will be very, very... Uh, obviously, you're pleased that you're winning the national championship. It will be very bullish that he won it his way by running the football and pounding everybody on the lines, kind of like an NFL team, when, and no one else really anymore. Even Bama aren't doing that in, in college anymore. So it was he kind of won it his way, and I'm sure that's even more um, like juice to Harbour's kind of ego or whatever. But they were the best team. The game um, shouldn't have even been as close, to be honest, as it was um, JJ McCarthy missed a few throws, to be honest, in the in the middle quarters that could have pulled it away a little bit more. Nothing against Washington. They were definitely uh, deserved to be in the national championship game. Penix has took a bit of a beating, to be honest, on the timeline this week. I think he yeah, probably- wasn't great. He's probably now uh, settling into the, the draft process of where he sat before. because and It is quite hard, actually, because um, obviously the Pac-12 is no more, but it's really difficult to watch that because it's not on kind of our TV a lot and it's always played at like 5am still. They're still playing sometimes if you get up early on a Sunday morning, they're still playing. <laughs> so I don't believe many people in the UK, unless you're really analysing that, I've seen a lot of him apart from when they started to you know, still be undefeated at the end of the season. So it's, it'd be interesting to see where he lands in the draft, actually. That'll be some interesting chats for me and you in a few months. But uh, great yeah. season for Washington. But Michigan, by far the best team and fully deserved. I think Jim, I think uh, it's time he came back to the league now. <laughs> yeah, Penix, going back to him, bit of an older prospect, so we'll see where he falls. Um, really good semi-final, really bad final. <laughs> so we'll kind of see where he uh, where he falls. But he's got some receivers in that team that are going to uh, go very, very high in the NFL draft. So that'd be good to chat about. But 
yeah, in terms of Michigan, going back to Jim and this list of coaches that we were we were talking about before we went on to college football. Um, yeah, he's been linked with many of the jobs, linked with the Raiders, linked with the Chargers, linked with the Commanders. Uh, I think that's the only ones out of this batch. But um, yeah, I have no idea because he's a hero in Michigan. Uh, he was loving the confetti, by the way. Never seen a man love confetti more. Um, so yeah, I don't really know where he's going to go. I personally, I don't like him, but uh, I don't really know where he's going to um, where he's going to end up. But it would not shock me if it was the NFL, or it would not shock me if it was the biggest contract extension in college football history. Um, we will see. One thing I do know is that the genes in that family are very strong because Jesus Christ, all the men in that family look identical, including obviously the dad. I don't know if you saw the photos of the dad and the son hugging and stuff, but yeah, yeah, spitting yeah. image, aren't they? They are the spitting image, and and also another thing on the Harbors, I couldn't believe that uh, John Harbor is now the third oldest coach in the NFL. Yeah, that's been around that a while. Me. They have got a good gene pool, you know, in that family. <laughs> They have, especially for coaching, especially for coaching. Um, cool. Well, two legends obviously left their teams there in Bill and Saban and another legend left their team. Uh, Pete Carroll, obviously college football legend in terms of coaching, USC, um, and then a legend in Seattle for that Super Bowl win, Legion of Boom, obviously years of success, barely losing a game. There's a crazy stat going around that they went 98 games in a row where they weren't losing by more than seven points ever in the fourth quarter of an NFL game, which is a record. Uh, so Pete Carroll keeps keeps games close. Um, it seems like he was fired. Um, I don't know if they did pitch it as mutual, but it's come out that, yeah, he was let go. He fought to keep his job, and uh, unfortunately he couldn't keep his job. Um, there was rumours he could go upstairs, but obviously he hasn't actually done that initially. Uh, his press conference was amazing, crying about his wife and family, talking about how great the players are sounding to me like someone who wants to stay in the NFL, but I also think he's going to get an absolutely crazy offer to go to the media. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on Pete Carroll? Because yeah, I like Bill. I'm not a big saving guy, obviously, from not watching loads of college football. Um, but yeah, Pete Carroll is just someone as a person I think is incredible. So sad to see him uh, him leave his job for me. Yeah, I mean, to, to be, I think he's 72, isn't he? And still have that kind of life in you he definitely wants to coach he definitely doesn't he wants to keep coaching I don't think he wants to be shuffled upstairs I think he'd probably rather go on tv for a year and then maybe before he can get back in but I mean the only guy to win a Super Bowl and a national championship is something that he'll always be able to hang his hat on I mean if someone else does it in the future Pete was still the first amazing guy underachieving in the last couple of years wasn't it I mean I know Geno Smith has been good, but um, he, they hung their hat, didn't they, on Geno for the last two years, and it's kind of ended up where probably you could predict it. Even though he outperformed the expectations, he in, in the end they got dumped out in the wild card last year, and they haven't made the playoffs this year. So for a team, you know, high aspirations, they have got some good talents scattered through the roster. It's probably time time for a change, but. That Legion of Boom team is probably one of my favourite ever non-Eagles eras, to be honest with you. They was uh, the Eagles playing them a couple of times, actually, and getting a good old-fashioned whooping. So that was a, that was a great year. Yeah, great team, great coach. And I agree, it's probably slipped a little bit. But I think it actually slipped from a defensive perspective as well, more the, the, the coaching and the scheme and adapting to NFL offences. Um there's a lot of people that run the ball too much. He's not unique in that. But I feel like as a defensive coach, it's been the defence that's kind of slipped a little bit from his perspective. Um, and you're right, it is going to be hard to win. With Gino, if you're going against uh, Kyle Shanahan, if you're going against yeah Matt Stafford and McVeigh and all those guys. So, yeah, we'll see what he does. In terms of replacements, uh, most of these jobs, there's loads of people to go for. So we won't go one by one. But it uh, sounds like Dan Quinn is the favourite. The minute this job was open, every NFL insider was saying Dan Quinn's well fancy. Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn. So um sounds like it could be Dan Quinn. Obviously, that could change. But for everyone to say it at the same time seemed like a bit of an obvious leak there. Uh, any thoughts on him? It's like quite funny how it's another older. He's not obviously Pete Carroll old, but he's a more experienced kind of CEO type who specialises heavily on defence, just like B. Carroll. Yeah, interesting because I can't remember what, whether it was a specific job last year, but he declined, didn't he, to stay at um, to stay Dallas, at Dallas. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And he decided to stay at Dallas for one more year and 
probably maybe kind of waiting on a better role and it looks like it's going to come to him. I think he's, he deserves his shot at a second go around in the NFL. It's a, it feels to me like a very similar type, but a different kind of energy to Pete Carroll. But um, yeah, it should be interesting if that comes off. I, I'll be... As an Eagles fan, looking at that, I'll be quite pleased that Dan Quinn's not the defensive coordinator in Dallas anymore. I think he's an excellent defensive coach, actually. So it's, uh, yeah, deserves another go around, but we'll see. Like you said, it seems to me a bit of a leak, doesn't it, when they're all saying it at the same time? Yeah. Well, you don't need to worry about Dan Quinn, mate. And Bill Belichick's the head coach. They don't need a DC. Just, he can just call the plays against the Eagles when he's the captain. I'd be absolutely furious if, if that happens because <laughs> they've already got plenty of offensive talent there. So it's like improve the defense even more than it has been now. That would be not that not that fun to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going back to Dan Quinn, he obviously was the DC for uh, for Pete Carroll at one point. Um, however, the reason why. Going back to Pete, not adjusting. Dan Quinn's new defense the last four, three years is so different to the scheme that he played when he was younger. So yeah, he's definitely shown that he can he can adapt. Um, yeah, another big name that was one of the kind of most longest tenured head coaches in the NFL. Uh, he was let go by the team was Mike Vrabel, the Titans. Um, yeah, weird one. I, d- I did speak about this on the uh, Fulton Yards pod. I didn't think this would happen. Uh, I thought he might leave by his own choice or he could get traded to New England, but it's already come out. The Titans didn't want to wait for a trade. They wanted just to fire him because they couldn't be bothered with the weight of finding a new head coach. They wanted to kind of get it over and done with and get it done as soon as possible, which I find, yeah, probably positive for them long term. But most teams would have wanted that second, third round pick that I think Rayball might be able to get. Um, But yeah, he leaves to Tennessee. Don't really know where he's going to go. Feels like an incredible fit for any of the teams, to be honest. Um, obviously, really like him. There was issues between him and the GM. There's been issues between him and the, him and the analytics staff. Uh, and basically, the Titans have come out and said they wanted to go with a different kind of more modern-day offensive thinking head coach. Uh, so it sounds like they're going to go for the young offensive head coach route, uh, which, to be honest, is completely different to Mike Vrabel. So... Uh, yeah, what's your thoughts on the Titans getting rid of uh, the big man? That did make me jaw go down a little bit when I saw that. That was the one thing that I, I was like, I had to text you straight away. I was like, that it did surprise me. But I think this is the only coach that's been fired that after the fact, the leaks have come in and are a bit, little bit different. Like the owners were a bit that he would spoke about his ring of honor thing at the Patriots in October time and where he spoke up New England and said it's not like this everywhere else apparently the owners didn't like that and the owners didn't like losing to the Texans when it was the special Oilers jersey day just some weird things coming through when you hear that kind of weird stuff taken away from the, 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 the actual on field analytics side from it Feels like his days probably actually were numbered, whatever happened at the end of the season. So he's going to be an incredible hire for someone. You know, me and you both love him, don't we? So um, yeah. I can't believe New England haven't even gone in for a, an interview, but maybe they didn't want to interview him if they'd already, you know, decided on Mayo or, or whatever. He's going to be a really, really interesting candidate for, for where he goes. I'd take him in Philadelphia in a heartbeat. I know that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be uh, that's an interesting chat actually. Yeah, I don't really know where he's going to go. And the thing is, originally, I know it's we'll go on about to speak about him next, but Arthur Smith didn't go well. But originally, Arthur Smith was a top offensive coordinator in the league, and Vrabel found him. And those years when they were successful, you had Vrabel doing everything else, and then that kind of hot shot offensive coordinator running the offensive plays. And um, yeah, it just seems like Vrabel kind of drifted away from that towards the end, and few personnel issues but if he gets a new job if he can find himself a new young offensive coordinator to pair with I feel like yeah he's a great great hire for anyone but we'll see uh yeah no really thoughts on on the Titans um don't want to yeah go through every uh, every single one um we're also not going to go through GMs and assistant coaches because there's loads of those DCs and OCs and stuff um but basically the Titans have already requested to interview Dan Quinn Antonio Pierce Ben Johnson Brian Callahan. Aaron Glenn, Mike Kafka, Mike McDonald, 
all things they have in coach uh, they have in common apart from Dan Quinn is they're all extremely young. <laughs> so um, we'll see what type of uh, what type of head coach they go for. Um, Arthur Smith, we have already spoken about that. He was obviously fired by uh, the Falcons. Uh, Falcon, a lot of Falcons rumors seem to be they want to make a splash. That's one of the names that's mentioned for Bill. Uh, the only person they've requested to interview with so far is Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, who's obviously the kind of hottest thing on the on the coaching market. So we'll see where they go with that. But uh, yeah, we've already spoke about Arthur. Um, Ron Rivera then also got fired the day later. Uh, we have spoken about Ron a lot, that he was going anyway. Um, so yeah, hell of a career, mate, for, for, for Ron in terms of tenure. When you look at the playoff wins and the win-loss record, he's probably actually had a bit of an underwhelming career, but he's a hell of a person. Everyone loves him. All his players always love him. Uh, and it seems like the commanders are definitely, definitely going to go for that young kind of head coach with some of the people they're interviewing, someone very, very different to uh, to Ron. Yeah, definitely. It definitely seemed like Ron's time was up. Interesting. It, obviously, he's, he's not going to get anything this summer. It's interesting if he gets a third go around. He does have a losing record now as a head coach after having a winning record for 10 years, really, in Carolina. His, his Washington tenure really, really went badly, didn't it? I mean, he won one division at title at Washington with a seven and nine record. So, I mean, that's nothing to hang your hat on there, is it at all? So it was, it was time for a change. I'm not sure taking Carolina out of it, whether I'm not sure where Washington lands on the list of what's the best job and what's the worst job. But to me, it's much, much closer to the bottom than it is the top. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. There's some weird jobs. Um, we'll probably get more into that in general. But yeah, there are some uh, some weird jobs. But yeah, they've requested to interview Ravens DC, Mike McDonald, youngest DC in the league, Dan Quinn again, which is interesting. Uh, offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick from the Texans. He's the second youngest offensive coordinator. Ben Johnson, Lions OC, youngest coordinator. Aaron Glenn from the Lions DC. Obviously, he is actually quite young compared to a lot of defensive coordinators in the league. But yeah, he's more of an inexperienced option for a head coaching perspective. DC Raheem Morris, who's obviously been a coach before, but he's led that Rams uh, defense. And they've also, um, which is a bit of a random one, defensive line coach Anthony Weaver from the Ravens, uh, who has generated loads of pass rushes and is himself actually quite a young coach in the NFL. So, yeah, Washington, yeah, they've hired a couple of NBA executives, really famous, high-profile ones as well. So, uh, we'll see how their coach looks. Uh, and then the other three jobs are already open. So, uh, the Raiders job still open. Uh, the Chargers job is obviously still open, and then the Panthers job is still open. Uh, in terms of uh, who they're likely to hire, it's very difficult for the Chargers. They have basically interviewed everyone. <laughs> they've interviewed all the candidates I've spoken about earlier, but they've also added in like Leslie Fraser, the DC formerly of the Bills. They've added in Giff Smith, who's the current uh, interim head coach. They've added uh, 49ers DC Steve Wilkes the Ravens offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. So, yeah, they've gone for all the young guys plus some more experienced options. Um, the Raiders have only interviewed uh, Antonio Pierce at this time, which gives me a little bit of a hint that it could be a, a harbour spot, that the fact they're not <laughs> they're not doing many interviews. And the Panthers, we haven't heard much from uh, from them as an organisation, obviously, after the drink-throwing issue from the, from the owner. Um, but they are also interviewed basically every young name that everyone else is doing. Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick, Brian Callahan, uh, the Bucks OC, Dave Canales, which is an interesting one. Ravens DC, Mike McDonald, Dolphins offensive coordinator, Frank Smith, who's also very young. The Eagles offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, which I'm sure you'd like to see the back of him. Take him uh, now. <laughs> that was a very surprising uh, <laughs> thing. but uh, yeah. yeah, it was. It was. But yeah, all those jobs are interesting. Most of the candidates are young, um, but there's quite a good split, actually, between offensive and defensive, and the Chargers are just interviewing everyone, which I think makes sense. Um, quick question, then, on the head coaches before we move on. Um, there's, yeah, there's DC roles available. There's loads of GM roles. I think Vegas has got a GM role, uh, Panthers, Commanders, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, what job is the most attractive to you if you were a a young offensive or defensive coordinator or would it depend would it depend actually if you were an OC or a DC currently because if you're an OC are you going to go quarterback first and if you're a DC you're going to go roster first but um yeah which job do you think is the most attractive to you because I think for me I want to say the Chargers because they've got an actual quarterback um 
And I think that's where I'd still lean. But yeah, Chargers or Falcons probably for me. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're coming from uh, with the Chargers. Obviously, Justin Herbert is by far the best quarterback readily made to 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 fit in there. Must I say Seattle has talent throughout the roster and only needed tweaking a little bit to make the playoffs at the end of this season. But very iffy at the quarterback situation. We know Geno Smith's not your long term. So I'd lean Chargers, but I'd be interested in Seattle. Uh, Atlanta for me is is very interesting. The since I've kind of been an NFL fan, which obviously we spoke about for quite a long time, they haven't had that many great teams, mate. And I'll be honest with you, I'm sure sure the winning culture of um, Arthur Blank. He seems like a great guy, but uh, not sure. The, the the by the way, the thing that you said earlier, they want to make a splash. That actually would worry me. As <laughs> as an Atlanta fan, just that just that phrase. You don't need to make a splash. Just go and get the best person that you think is going to do the job, and not yeah. try and make a splash somewhere. <laughs> That's not the Falcons' way, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. Um, only role filled is obviously the New England one, so we'll see where uh, where it ends up going. But yeah, should be a fun few weeks. Some uh, well, it's the best coaches I've seen available to hire. And it's also probably the most shocking exits that I've seen since we've been doing the podcast. I think last year was a bit underwhelming from a head coach perspective. So, um, yeah, should be really, really fun. And also this year we had really good first year head coaches. If you look at the Colts, you look at the Texans, um, we've had some really good, uh, really good head coaches. Um, and now onto the games, mate. What we're here for the wild card weekend preview, six games, six spreads, going to pick them all. Um, I will mention the totals as well. We're not going to pick them. We're just, we just indicate what type of game we're going to get. Um, and, and we'll see how it goes. We were going to try and go offensive and defensive, but we'll see how the conversation takes us. Uh, we'll go in time order. First game of the weekend is a doozy. Browns at the Texans. And the Browns are favoured on the road, mate, against a division winner. And they're favoured by one and a half points. So it is Browns minus one and a half. Um, let's start because they are favourites with their best unit, which is their defence. So Browns defence versus Texans offence. Uh, CJ Stroud playing really, really well. Nico Collins had the game of his life, well, basically two weeks in a row, to be honest. Um, but yeah, through injuries, they haven't got loads else. They don't run the ball well. But CJ Stroud may have played incredibly well, but this will be a very tough test against the defence that gets after the passer, um, but does have a lot of injuries in the secondary. So they are going to rely basically on that front four <laughs> or front seven to dominate the game because in the secondary I feel like the Texans can uh, cause Cleveland some issues this week and that is the biggest thing I think Denzel Ward he, he's out isn't he uh, or it looks yes. like he's trending out so that's a, a, for me that's a quite a big miss but this is where I think early and often the Browns will kind of get after them and it's if Stroud can step up in the pocket like he has been doing and navigate that, I think he's going to be able to get massive chunk plays down the field. And that, for me, is the key to Houston. I think Houston want to play in front. You don't want to be behind against this Browns team, to be honest with you. Late in the game with their defence, they start kind of bringing the different kind of blitz packages. I just think Houston need to start quick hit the big plays down the field, which I think they, they can do with the secondary, but it's all dependent on the line standing up, isn't it? And if they can hit those plays and get out in front, I think that they can win this game. But doing that and stepping up in the pocket against Cleveland, who were underrated in the middle of the defensive line as well, they are actually been excellent yeah. in the middle of the defensive line as well as the edge. That's going to be the key. If he can't step up too often, he's got to improvise. I do think that Cleveland hold the advantage uh, massively in this game. Yeah, and you'd think, you'd hope as well with names on the paper that the um, offensive line could do a good job. Obviously, there's a difference in doing a good job and uh, <laughs> and stopping all pressure, because that's not going to happen against the Browns' front. But yeah, you'd hope the line could do a good job. But I would say... Even though they've done great, incredible season, great first-year head coach, great quarterback, good receivers, all that sort of stuff. I would say the offensive line on paper is really good, and it's actually been slightly disappointing. I don't know if you would agree with that, but I have seen CJ running a little bit more than I would like due to pressure coming off the edge. 
Um, even Larry Tunce has actually given away more penalties than uh, than any other year in his career. So that is definitely a worry from an offensive line perspective. Uh, I think Singletary looked quite good actually against the Colts. They haven't run the ball well all year, but the last two weeks, Singletary's looked better. And I would say if they can get a bit of a run game going, mate, that will at least halt some of that pressure. Um, but it's kind of like you said, with a good front, you kind of have to see it, don't you? Because the Browns are good at stopping the run when they want to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the key, they've got to get a bit of a run game going at some point. Obviously, I can see Stroud with um, an incredible amount of passing attempts. I don't think Houston and Bobby Slovic will be silly enough to think that we can go in and do a 50-50 pass-run ratio and, and win this game against Cleveland. I think it will be heavily skewed in the end in t- towards um, CJ Stroud throwing the ball a lot. But yeah, for me, this is the most interesting game of the weekend aside from the Detroit game. I just think this is such a interesting, I don't like the word like, you know, like chess match or whatever, but this really is unit on unit, as in the best on the best, isn't it? Because yeah. the other side of the ball is iffy for both teams. Very iffy, I think, for the Texans' defence. But this really is kind of like the strength on strength, isn't it? And whichever side of the ball wins in this this field he's going to win the game isn't it to be honest with you because I think you look at Cleveland's offense I think they'll hit some big plays and I think Flacco will throw some interceptions some deep interceptions (laughs) because that's where they're going with the variance aren't they they're letting him sling it down the field so if he doesn't throw an interception you're not going to win because that means he's hit all his massive variant throws down the field to Cooper or whoever and, and they're probably going to win the game but yeah, I just think that the CJ Stroud versus the the Browns defensive unit is just that's who's going to win the game, isn't it? And you want to hang your hat as the Texans on getting to the next round of the playoffs with your offense, don't you? You know that that's your strength. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's interesting as well because the whole season's been strange for the Browns of injuries, but um, offensive line's taking a big hit. Obviously, playing well still. <laughs> which is crazy, but yeah, they have got backups in. So I do think on that side of the ball, if they do want to cause Flacco more issues, dominate the game, try and kind of get them out of having to run the ball, you know, stopping those first down runs. So second down has to be a pass down. I do think the Texans on paper have some names that could do that on that way. I I do feel like they could win the battle against the Cleveland offense because I think Will Anson's playing really well. He's stopping the run incredibly well. Jonathan Grenard's playing well. Um, But more importantly for me, you've got Derek uh, Stingley, and Jalen Petrie uh, in the secondary, who can definitely make those big plays. And like you said, they're going to chuck the ball down the field. And I think those two guys are, are players that can go and win the ball in the air and uh, cause some interceptions, kind of break up some passes. But last time these two team, two teams played, Amari Cooper ended up with 200 yards and two touchdown catches. Um, so, yeah, we'll see if they can do it. But, yeah, I, I do agree. The other side's stronger. But I do feel like it's the Texas defense that could either have like the best day or the worst day, if that makes sense. They're so boom bust. Um, whereas I feel like the other units are a little bit more steady. You kind of know what you get from the other three units, but the Texas defense is a little bit boom or bust. So I'll be interested to see if they can cause Flacco some issues. Obviously, D'Amico's a hell of a coach. He'll be blitzing him in, in certain moments, but Flacco's seen every blitz in the world. So it just depends, is he on his game or not? Because he's played enough football now to be able to kind of read some of this stuff out. So for me, I do feel like Texas defense, mate, it's not the best unit at all, but I feel like it's the boom bust in this game. It could go either way for them, I feel like, with uh, Flacco from 50-yard bombs over their head or getting sacked and intercepted uh, three or four times. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And I saw if Flacco wins this game, he's got the most road playoff victories for a quarterback in NFL history, which is quite remarkable, really, isn't it? So. It is. It is. He has the, uh, I think he has the, uh, he's one win ahead of Mahomes uh, for playoff wins and all the current starting quarterbacks in the playoffs. He, but he's played like 14 years more which is quite funny. Um, but yeah, it'd be a hell of a story if they go win this game and then he ends up playing in uh, in Baltimore. Um, but yeah, and also I thought I mentioned the total, which were, which is 44 and a half. And um, yeah, on our podcast, a couple of people went under, but I actually do think there's going to be some points in this game. So I would be uh, over 44 and a half. Have you got any lean? We're not picking it for the comp, but have you got any lean on the total? No, I think I would go over as well. I do think both offences can score very quickly. Yeah. 
yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Those 60-yard bombs from both quarterbacks are likely, I feel like, which is going to be a fun game for us as neutrals. That's half nine on uh, on Saturday night. Uh, let's pick the game then. Like I said, Browns minus one and a half. Uh, we'll take it in turns um, to pick this week. Chiefs are next, so I don't want to pick first for the Chiefs because I always pick first for Chiefs. So I'll pick first in this game. Uh, I have gone for Texans plus one and a half. Uh, it was two and a half, by the way, and only this morning it's come down to one and a half. So people are betting, uh, are betting on uh, Houston. But yeah, give me the Texans plus one and a half. Think they win the game. Think it's very close though. But yeah, I'll go Texans. Yeah, I think it's very close. I'll go uh, Cleveland. I think they're just slightly a better all-round team, but it could implode with Joe Flacco if his big throws that he makes don't come off. Because they are going to let him sling it. Whatever happens in the <laughs> game, the, the the game plan is not changing. So he is going to come out throwing. So if that if that goes wrong, I will definitely lose. But I'm going the Browns. Nice. I like it. First difference on Super Wildcard Weekend. Uh, second game then is Saturday at 1am kickoff uh, in Kansas City. Uh, obviously, Dolphins at the Chiefs in an absolute kind of uh, freezer level temperature. Uh, Chiefs are favoured at home, mate, by four and a half points. It was three and a half. Kansas City had a lot of money, a lot of bets. As the weather gets worse, more people keep betting on the Chiefs. Um, I guess we should probably start there. We don't always have to go offence, defence. But um, do you think it's as much factor as everyone else does? I, I like Normally, I, I, I kind of do lean against these things. But um, the statistics for this Dolphins team <laughs> uh, does kind of show you that cold weather is not not their friend, and this is going to be the third coldest game in NFL history. Mate, 100 million percent <laughs> I back the stats of the cold weather in this. It's going to be so cold. Oh, by the way, have you seen ticket prices for this on the resale market? You can get in for an absolute bargain if you want to go. You can get in for $50 because it's going to be that cold. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm going to go off straight off on a tangent, mate. I, I'd be shocked if Miami won this game. This would be my biggest shock of any playoff game that could happen this season. I don't think they're tough enough, fundamentally sound enough, with all the injuries that they've got, to go in there and win what is most likely to be a ground-and-pound game against Andy Reid and Mahomes. To be honest with you, in these conditions, there's nothing this season or the past couple of seasons that tells me that they could go in there and win this game at all. I think this game could be a bit of a bloodbath, to be honest with you. Um, not 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 completely dismissing what the Dolphins have done all season, but they've got terrible injuries, haven't they? Terrible. terrible, terrible injuries. I think they signed Justin Houston and a couple of other pass rushers. That's not what Chiefs, mate. They're all ex-Chiefs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally all ex-Chiefs and going into a road playoff game against the current Super Bowl champions for me in this weather I think this is going to be a beat down I truly truly believe that I actually don't know what the spread is but I'm going Chiefs on the spread <laughs> yeah I said it earlier Chiefs minus four and a half no so minus four and a half yeah I'm, I'm 100% going <laughs> yeah I have written down Chiefs as well to be honest I'm not as confident as you but you're getting me hyped up I feel like Nick Saban recruit now. I'm just hyped up in my, in my living room waiting for the game. But um, yeah, I've gone Chiefs as well. Weather is a factor. I'm interested. If this was completely normal weather and the spread was still four and a half, are you still picking the Chiefs? If yes, it was a I think, normal I think kind so. of like average weather day, no issues at all. Yeah, because of the injuries, I think. Yeah. And uh, it's clear that whatever they have left on offense has not carried them through the end of the season. So and that and that's you know that's where they hang their hat, isn't it, on offense and big chunk mm-hmm. plays with Waddle and Tyreek and then the the rushing attack most and A Chan have both been had great seasons to be fair, but if that's all not going to be there, it, it, it's a no from me, I'm afraid. Yeah, I, I do think the Chiefs um, Chiefs win as well. Uh, yeah, it's going to be hard for them to get pressure on Mahomes. Uh, Donovan Smith back at left tackle for the Chiefs as well, which I actually think is important. Didn't play incredibly well, but I thought he was like average, maybe slightly below average. And the rookie that was playing the last four or five weeks played well week one and then 
has basically gone progressively worse every single week. So I think Donovan Smith makes a big difference when the other team's got no pass rushers that are, well, not no pass rushers, but they're all injured and they're kind of recruiting people off the street to come play five days later. Uh, I think that bodes well for the Chiefs' offense. Um, the total is 43 and a half. Would you be leaning under because of the weather then? Or if it's going to be a beatdown, obviously you still think the Chiefs are going to score in the 20s. So. Uh, 43 and a half. Um, it depends. I think Kansas City are going to have a lot of long drives. I think, to be honest, and I probably would then lean under just because of the, the long drives. But uh, I don't know what Isaiah Pacheco's line is. Obviously, you know, I don't look at the betting, but I'd go over whatever that is. I think he's going to be in for a big game. He's not going he, to be cared, mate, that it's minus however much. He runs the football violently, doesn't he? This is <laughs> his type of game. Yeah, 65 and a half is yardage. <clears throat> Be going over, yeah, be going over that. I think he could have a 100-yard rushing day for me, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It is worth mentioning, obviously, um, Tyreek Hill's first return to Arrowhead um, could be in for a hell of a day. The worry is the weather, again, because Tua is going to struggle to throw the ball with velocity in that that cold. And it is going to be windy as well. So, um, But yeah, Tyreek Hill would not surprise me if he still had a big day in some format, jet sweeps, kind of... Yeah, you know, they've got all to get the ball in his hand, haven't they? The, 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 you can't just rely on the downfield passing game in this weather. They've got to somehow get the ball in his hand. Yeah, the more touches he has for them, the better. Run him out of the backfield, whatever. Just, yeah, keep the touches up. But yeah, we'll see. Defence is pretty injured. Um, Chiefs perspective, Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, Pacheco, all back for this game. Um, yeah, I, I am biased as a Chiefs fan, but I would love to see Travis Kelsey play well uh, in these playoffs because it did get a little bit ropey down the stretch. But obviously, did have a rest week, uh, and Mahomes did start throwing to him less towards the end of the, the end of the, the, the season. Uh, I wonder if that's to keep him fresh. So we shall see. But we're both on Chiefs minus four and a half, and uh, we'll see if I'm depressed uh, on Sunday morning after this game. <laughs> Uh, 6 p.m. Uh, honestly, mate, if you're depressed on Sunday morning after this, then I have got it completely wrong. That's just like I am convinced. <laughs> That's right, I can blame you then, see. Uh, <laughs> false hope. Um, 6 p.m. then, probably the worst game of the weekend. Uh, definitely the biggest spread. Uh, we have the Steelers at the Bills. Bills are favoured, mate, at home by nine and a half points in a playoff game against Big Mike T, but also against Mason Rudolph. Um, so yeah, definitely a game we should probably spend the least amount of time on. What are your kind of initial thoughts on how high the line is? Uh, obviously Steelers losing TJ Watt, but they seem to do something crazy every week. The Bills either play incredible or they play awful. Josh Allen either f- throws an incredible drive or has an awful drive. Um, I feel like this could be a very weird game. Yeah, I think uh, without TJ Watt, it becomes incredibly difficult. I saw, I can't remember what the record is with or without him, but it's not good. I put it that way, it's like the winning percentages goes to like the 250s without TJ Watt for the Steelers. And it, I mean, you're hoping for the game of your life from, from Mason Rudolph just to stay in this game. I think if Allen and the Bills can, I feel like they can actually get their mistakes out and have a terrible game and still win this game, to be honest with you. The only way for the Steelers is to to, to control the clock with the running game, which has looked excellent in the last six weeks, and then Rudolph perhaps hitting real big plays on third and six, third and eight to convert first downs and make kind of long drives out of it. But even then, they have to convert into touchdowns. The Bills can kind of strike quickly as well themselves, can't they? No Gabe Davis, is there this week? No. So, so it'd be interesting kind of the looks that uh, Diggs probably going to be a little bit blanketed, but um, I'm expecting a Bills, a comfortable Bills win, mate, especially with that TJ Watt. I think uh, Bills get the running game yeah. going against the Steelers and just, yeah. I can't see Mason Rudolph, honestly, marching into Buffalo and winning a playoff game. That, that, is, that really is just the biggest uh, end of it all, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I would kind of uh, I would kind of love it because then the Bills and Dolphins, if they happen uh, both out, and that is beautiful for me as a Chiefs fan. But yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we are going to see uh, 
we are going to see Chiefs at Bills in week two, which is a subject for another week, but it's scary and exciting at the same time. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. We're both going to go Bills minus nine and a half then. Yeah, I think they can win by 10 points. Yeah, definitely. I'm going Bills. Yeah, we're cheering on the Steelers and it, I think it'll be a weird game, but I think, yeah, they pull away in the end. Worth mentioning, it's 55-mile-an-hour wind gusts as well for Josh Allen, so I think the Bills are going to have to run the ball. But James Cook's looked really good when they've done it, so I think he can he can do it. On to uh, Sunday, 9.30 then. Uh, probably the highest-rated game of the weekend, I guess. Maybe Sunday Night Football might rival it, but um, Packers at the Cowboys. Cowboys are favoured, mate, by 7.5 points over the touchdown. What are your thoughts on uh, on that spread and then, obviously, this game in general? Quite high, that is, isn't it? But I guess it's two versus seven seed. Maybe that's how they're seeing it. I think, I don't know whether me and you like the Green Bay offense more than other people or the bookies or I don't know. I think Jordan Love can cover this spread, to be honest with you. He had a game last week that was near perfect, to be honest 27 to 32, 316, and two touchdowns. And the Bears defense is absolutely nothing to be sniffed at this last two months of the season since they acquired Montez Sweat. It's been kind of top six for a lot of metrics in the league, hasn't it? So I like this Green Bay team, to be honest with you. I really like the young receivers and they've, they've stepped up on defence, to be honest, apart from the weird Carolina game on Christmas Eve, which they try and forget about <laughs> that the Panthers hung 30 on the Packers. But um, yeah, a lot... But then when I think about it, you know, there's no containing C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb's going to kind of do what he does every week. He's going to be at least probably 120 to 150, and that's probably at a minimum. And then if a couple of other Cowboys have big games, then they're probably going to score a lot of points, and you're not going to keep be able to keep up. So, I don't know. Dallas seemed very confident, by the way. I saw an interview with Dak Prescott, and he was coming across a little bit like... They were already in the NFC Championship game, which is never a good look because it can come back on you. But uh, I know which way I'm going on the spread, definitely. But the, this is a this is a great game, to be honest with you, for, for yeah, American viewing audience. Two amazing jersey matchups, historic franchises, and uh, I'm glad that Jordan Love has shown life, to be honest with you, uh, at the end of the season. It looks good. Yeah, it does look good. Yeah, it's fun. Fun game. The total in this one's 50 points, so 50.5. There's a lot of points, but it wouldn't surprise me if it went over. I think there'll be some points in this game. Um, Cowboys defense actually is worryingly for them trended down the last four or five weeks of the season. So uh, their offense is on the incline and CeeDee Lamb can't be stopped, but the defense is actually is slightly getting worse, even though the names on on the roster are very good. The actual metrics from the defense is, is getting worse. So it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of turn that around in the playoffs, be a bit more aggressive and uh, miss less tackles, which has been a bit of an issue for them uh, on, on defense. But yeah, there's the other element as well with Mike McCarthy. Uh, not just the fact in the playoffs, he does weird things, but this is obviously a Mike McCarthy bowl Packers versus Cowboys. So I'll be interested to see how motivated he is to go in and uh, try and dominate this game and uh, stick it to his old employers. But yeah, it should be a fun game. I'm with you. The uniform matchup as well. Sweet. It's nice to not every game. Like we're going to have Dolphins Chiefs affected by the weather. Bills Steelers affected by the weather. This game, beautiful. In the dome. Great stadium. Great atmosphere. Uh, both quarterbacks can sling it around. I think this will be an exciting game. Uh, look for CeeDee Lamb and Aaron Jones for me to have massive, massive days. Um, but yeah, let's pick the spread. Uh, your turn to go first, mate. Where are you going? Green Bay. Definitely. Oh. Not having seven and a half. It feels a little bit big for me in the in the playoffs. I like Jordan Love's ability to make the big throws. So I'm going Packers to cover. I think Cowboys most likely going to win. Give me the team I picked to make the Super Bowl before the season started. Give me the boys. Them Cowboys minus seven and a half. Second difference of the week. Um, could easily see the Packers win this game as well, ironically, to be honest. But it feels like when the Cowboys win a game, uh, and win a game at home, they win it by double digits. So, yeah, I feel, feel like it's, uh, yeah, Cowboys by 10 to 14 uh, would be nice for me. But, yeah, Packers go in and win it sure as hell makes the rest of the NFC games uh, interesting after. And then now it's time for the big one. The go for two bowl that's been spoken about for about 20 weeks. Rams at the Lions, 1 a.m. start on Sunday night, Sunday night football. Uh, biggest points total of the week. 
51 and a half points, so a shootout expected. Uh, Rams at Lions. Lions are favoured, mate, at home by three and a half. They got the hook over the three and a half. Um, oh, yeah, I already know where I'm going with the spread. Already picked the spread and the team to win in uh, the betting podcast last night. But in terms of this game, where do you think it's most likely to be won and lost? Obviously, got big storylines with McVeigh and Goff, big storylines of Stafford versus Detroit. But when you look at it as a game overall, what are your kind of keys that you're going to be watching out to see who thinks going to win and who's going to impact this game? To be honest, I do think, you know, obviously I have been critical, haven't I, of uh, Dan Campbell as a head coach in our three years of the podcast. do think overall the talent is there for Detroit to go to the Super Bowl. But something tells me that they are more likely to lose a game than another team will come in and beat them in Detroit. And that's how I feel about this week. Jared Goff, we've seen it in the past, can definitely, definitely have a terrible day. And the Rams are built offensively, either quick striking or ground and pound with Kyron Williams. You know, they've got Puka, they've got Cup. They can hit big plays or they can have methodical drives. And they definitely can capitalise on any mistakes that Detroit makes. So for me, it's just if Goff plays his kind of last week, he was 23-32, 320 yards, no turnovers. If he has that stat line, I think Detroit will win it because they've got a good run game. Montgomery's been really good and Jameer Gibbs has kind of shot into life really in the last kind of six weeks of the season after having a slow start. You know, I love St. Brown. Sam Laporte is a big miss. For me, it's just all on. Now you've got here in this position as the third seed. You know, you were well fancied for a couple of years. You're now in the third seed and you've decided to stick with Jared Goth. Can he go out and not lose you games in the playoffs? And I'm, I'm not sure. To be honest, I'm not sure. I, he said in the week, you know, he didn't bother him that it was going to be the Rams and he just wants to win it for Detroit. I don't know if he's built like that. To be honest, though, yeah, I'm really unsure about this game's go. I can easily see the Rams coming in here and, and winning this game. <laughs> yeah, so can I. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As time goes on, this is some uh, <coughs> bias for how much I love uh, the offense, but I could see them beating the 49ers as well. I'm just going to throw that out there. I can honestly see the Rams beating the Lions and the 49ers. Um, I just think the offense can be that good. The issue for them is their secondary is a bit up and down, um, but they've got a closer on defense. Aaron Donald can close any game. He can win you any game. So I do think the Lions, even regardless of how good you think Aiden Hutchinson is as a defense, they just haven't got that that level for me where they can just go and win a game like Aaron Donald can go and go and take over a game. Obviously, Kobe Turner's playing pretty well and Byron Young next to him. So I do think that's an interesting element of it. The Lions defense has to stop missing tackles. Um, and has to try and force a couple of turnovers because Stafford will still give you one or two in the game. And if you can do that, you can then run the ball and try and dominate the game a bit. But you are right. A lot of it will rest on the shoulders of the two quarterbacks. If both of them have no interceptions, the score's going to be so high. If one of them has two picks, it feels like they could lose the game. Um, Stafford does it differently. He does it kind of forcing it uh, on long drives, comebacks, end of halves, end of games. Goff is the one who makes the kind of more random, complete, bonehead plays so I'll be interested to see whether they too fit but yeah I just want to see what Stafford's reaction is coming back into that stadium mate and see what obviously I think he's going to get cheered not booed but even him himself like does he come out first drive and spray a couple of passes because he's just so motivated to go in there and win in Detroit or yeah or is he kind of settled in place he's played hundreds of times before and he's just like right bang let's go and first drives a 75 yard touchdown drive I'll be interested to see how he starts but yeah well that's the thing isn't it you know he, for me he really winning that Super Bowl for me um I didn't think that he was kind of built in that way to to, to handle the pressure of you know being in Detroit all those years I don't think it's going to bother him at all and that would worry me as kind of the the Detroit fan. I don't want to play from behind against this Rams team in the second half, like you said. I mean, Kobe Turner's been has been excellent actually, but Aaron Donald, like you said, he is the ultimate like baseball closer. 
he is just not what you want when you need that extra half a second in the pocket and he, you know he's going to come through late in the second half so I can't wait for this game this is what we've been wanting in it for six weeks and just this unbelievable this is a wild card game I'd be happy with this as an NFC championship game it's just uh, <laughs> different storylines and, and everything yeah yeah be, yeah, it's going to be a fun game. Atmosphere is going to be great. Um, picking the spread, then I think it's my turn first. I think yes. they're going to win. I think they're going to win the game, so I'm going to pick them to have the spread. Rams plus three and a half for me. Yeah, I'm going with you as well. I'm going with you. Uh, LA to win this game. I think Stafford plays better than Goff, and I think that may that may settle it. Nice, love it, love it. Last game of the week, then Monday night, going to kill your uh, sleep pattern, maybe kill your uh, mood for the rest of the week and the month, depending on the result. Uh, that is Eagles at the Buccaneers. Eagles favoured on the road, mate. Two and a half points, so <laughs> under the field goal, but they are favoured on the road to a division champ in the Bucks. Mayfield obviously hasn't played well for a while, but uh, AJ Brown hasn't practiced. Jane Hurts. Hasn't thrown a football since he broke since last Sunday, uh, and the Eagles' defense is on the worst five-week stretch in NFL history. So why do I want to pick the Eagles to win? <laughs> because you watched Tampa Bay the last two weeks, and as bad as Philadelphia has been, they are just as bad, but with less talent. I think is the only way that we can describe. It's actually a terrible game, you know, but. Um, what I would say is at least it's not spoiling anything else and they've been matched together. If I was like a neutral fan putting this on Monday night, if you think I'm staying up for this, mate, you're having a laugh. If I was not an Eagles fan, to be honest with you, I think this is going to be a really, really ugly game. Philadelphia look ugly on, on offence as well as, as defence at the moment and Baker Mayfield's having one of those stretches where obviously I know he's got some injuries hasn't he he's not practicing but he's having one of his spells where everything looks incredibly difficult for him as well and it's come at the come at the wrong end uh, of the season but uh, yeah I really really don't know what to think actually because obviously the Eagles do have a lot of injuries and if those players big players don't play I'm not counting Hurts Hurts will play in some capacity if AJ Brown doesn't play and Devonta Smith is not good to go I don't think the Eagles are going to win this at all, to be honest with you. The, the, what's behind them is, is is not good at all. You're looking at Kez Watkins and the ghost of Julio Jones. and yeah, He got two touchdowns the other day, mate. Big he did. Huh? He did two, two nice catches, yeah. He, he can't move, though, in between the 20s, really, anymore, <laughs> which is unfortunate for him because he is actually, let's not forget, he was he's, he's one of the best of the last 20 years. But... Um, yeah, in, interesting game in terms of can a team go out there and grab the impetus and go and win it? I, I can't see this being a back and forth battle of a late, tw- both in the late twenties. So, what's the total for this game? Forty-three and a half. Yeah, I'd be inclined to go under. To be honest with you, I think Philadelphia can win a game that goes under. That defense got to get some stops then, don't they? Yeah, it does. I would just like a simplified defensive game plan where your best pass rushers just rush the passer for a week, especially against Mayfield. Just go dominate up front. And the secondary and the linebackers are awful. But if Baker Mayfield or the secondary are playing awful, they're not awful on paper, but they're playing awful. If Baker Mayfield's under pressure from your front four, just or and, and a blitzer maybe front five just smashing into the offensive line every play. I think the Eagles could get enough turnovers and negative plays to win a game. Do you know what I mean? It's just like don't overthink it and start going like three in, drop eight, pass rushers dropping into coverage, blitzing safeties, linebackers in coverage all game long. I just think play a simple style. And I don't think that simple style can win a Super Bowl, but I think that simple style can beat the Bucks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, beat the Bucks and try and regroup, get a little bit healthier and go again next week against a better team. But Yeah, and go, go for a shootout, basically, after that. But this yeah, week, exactly, yeah. And do a little bit more. So, yeah, I am ready for the spread. I don't know if you are. If there's any other areas of the game you think is worth breaking down? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. One thing I would say is, is it a kind of loser-leaves-town match? I, I think <laughs> Sirianni is definitely, definitely on the block. It, it's actually been rumoured a couple of, by ESPN and just... The feeling around kind of the fan base is, is uh, 
not put himself in a great light really uh, all season long with his decisions on and off the field of you know just kind of what he's like and just I the, hate him, the, the you know. ocs the dcs you know yeah just all of that is this is there's big pressure on him and i'm not sure he's a big pressure guy when the team when the talent is not performing to the level that they were so yeah I, i'm gonna is it my turn to go first or yeah it's your turn i'm, I'm gonna go eagles on the spread just because of the if all the guys play that are 50 50 to play i think the eagles have more talent at the end of the day and probably a similar game to what it was earlier in the season where the books played it close but the eagles just had a couple of drives ground and pound it in in the end zone in, in the red zone and that should that should just be enough for Philadelphia. But I don't think they'll go any further than this. I don't think either of these two teams will. Yeah, I'm with you too. I'm going for the Eagles. I think they can cause some issues on defence up front at least, uh, for the odd drive. And then yeah, I think they'll run the ball well. Um obviously kick the field goals well, play some good special teams, uh, and go for the right fourth downs and, and be aggressive when they need to. So yeah, I'm gonna go Eagles minus two and a half. Um, hoping for a fun game at least if I'm watching this Tuesday morning, but uh, I'm not going to stay up. Was um, I assume you'll probably end up staying up, will you? Because it's your team. Oh yeah, of course. When it could be the last one of the season, you have to you have to be there, don't you? There's no trip, unfortunately, to Philadelphia this this January for me though. But um, I'll have to make do with the TV. You need the Packers and uh rams to win and then there would be a trip to philly that'd be that's the only Guess who's at home. yeah can't <laughs> wait for that uh, so yeah we'll see um yeah and that's it for for our picks we have two differences both in the 9 30 games the 9 30 saturday sunday uh, is going to determine who goes into divisional weekend with the lead uh, i have picked the texans plus one and a half patrick has picked the browns minus one and a half we've both picked chiefs minus four and a half we've both picked the bills minus nine and a half I picked the Cowboys minus seven and a half. Patrick picked the Packers plus seven and a half. Uh, I picked the Rams plus three and a half. So did Patrick. And then we both picked the Eagles minus two and a half as well to sign up. So, yeah, should be some fun games. We've got some weather games. We've got some revenge games. We've got some dome games with high totals, young quarterbacks, old quarterbacks. Uh, should be a hell of a weekend. Enjoy it wherever you decide to watch it. Remember to go follow us at Go4Two-Pod on Twitter. Follow Patrick at MuggsNFL. Uh, we'll be back next week to break down any any more kind of head coaching news, if there is any, and obviously discuss all the action from these six fun games. So, yeah, enjoy Wildcard Weekend. We will speak to you next week. 